and then just like apply the opposite. If Dr. Thompson says, spare the rod, spoil the child. Great, start spoiling your child and please do spare the rod, okay? Yeah. Welcome to Holy Ghosting, a podcast about deconstruction from your middle-aged mom friends. I'm Lindsay, and I am senior warden at my very liberal Episcopal church in Portland, Oregon. And I'm Meg, and I don't have an identity, I think, when it comes to my spirituality, but I am figuring it out. I'm Sarai, and I have not been a Christian for about eight years, and I basically immediately reconverted into my own divinity <laughs> uh, at that moment. Oh, but I was like really, really a very good Christian before that. So just please know yeah, that I, I was think amazing that... at it. I got awards, basically. <laughs> One thing to know about all of us is that we grew up in the 80s and 90s in evangelical Christian American culture, and we were really, really good at it. We were such good girls. We followed all the rules. We did all the things. We Proverbs 31 our way into adulthood. And so this season on Holy Ghosting, we're focusing on philosophies, activities, existences, and concepts that were taboo to us during our evangelical upbringing. And so far this season, it's been a lot. Um, Turns yeah. out there are a lot of taboos in evangelicalism. Ta yeah. Turns out. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we have a lot to say about all of them. We'd love to have you come and join our community. We have a great group on Facebook right now. Um, just look us up under groups for Holy Ghosting. You can join us on our Patreon if you're really into this sort of thing and become one of our besties at patreon.com slash Holy Ghosting. Subscribe so you don't miss out on any of these taboo topics. I mean, taboo is the best game, right? Like, can yeah. we all agree that we yep. just need to play together, everyone? Yeah. Okay. I also am a big categories gal. Just going to throw that out there. So. You know, yeah. good for categories. I'm part game. of the crew. Yeah, it's, a good, it's good, clean fun. I mean, I certainly was a good Christian girl when I was, like, filling in the blanks. There were never curse words. Oh, gosh. When no. I, when, like, I don't think they're allowed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're definitely allowed. You get disqualified if you put a curse word in. In categories. That's my rule, That's, anyways. Oh, I <laughs> use a lot of curses in categories, but not in sca in Scrabble. But I will say I love Boggle, and that's. That's just me. So I think that said think something about our ladies, personalities. I think is what we're <laughs> learning is that we all like to do stuff with words. So we started a podcast. Thanks for joining us. And today <laughs> uh, we are going to be talking about Christian parenting. We're going to talk about discipline styles, how each sibling was maybe treated differently than the others, and how we're breaking the Dr. Dobson influence that Christian child abuse is okay because children were considered a nuisance unless we were behaving like perfect little robots for the Lord. So Dobson wanted to break every child's will. And then Jesus was happy, I think is what happened. Uh, so fair warning, we are gonna be discussing some physical, emotional, spiritual abuse of children today in this episode. Um, so please take a moment and ground yourself, find yourself in a safe space. Um, it's okay. We know that we can heal through conversation and we can stop the childhood trauma cycle from continuing with our own kids. We're all moms and parenting. Um, and it's hard to do when you were raised with such toxic um, influence uh, from someone like Dr. Dobson. So let's talk about parenting styles. I think that's kind of the place that... Um, 
I didn't know that there was so many options um, when I was a kid because I just thought there was like a way to parent because of the way I was being parented. But there are four main parenting styles that are considered like by all child psychologists to be it. And they are permissive, authoritative, neglectful, and authoritarian. Authoritarian parenting. You believe kids should be seen and not heard. When it comes to rules, you believe it's my way or the highway, and you don't take your child's feelings into consideration. Authoritarian parenting. Authoritative parenting. You put a lot of effort into creating and maintaining a positive relationship with your child. You explain the reasons behind your rules. You set limits and force rules, give consequences, but take your child's feelings into consideration when doing that. Permissive parenting. You set rules, but you rarely enforce them. You don't give out consequences very often, and you think your child will learn best with little interference from you. Uh, uninvolved parenting is the last one. You don't ask your child about school or homework. You rarely know where your child is or who they're with, and you don't spend much time with the child. Did any of those feel or sound familiar to the way that you were raised? Perhaps authoritarian? Anyone else? I had that. I, weirdly, I'd say it was a little bit of like, yes, authoritarian and a little bit of uninvolved, mm. like on the day to day level. I It wasn't that my parents didn't care. My mom in particular didn't care where I was. It's just that we weren't anywhere. We were just at home all the time. So we were around the neighborhood and whatever. Um, yeah. I guess she cared that we came home to eat dinner because she slaved over a hot oven for several hours to make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was kind of left to my own devices and some of that was because of what maybe my parents were going through, like dealing with some traumas of their own, but also just, I think my personality, I don't think that my siblings were parented that way at all. Mm. Um, But that was, yeah, I just sort of like learned to be good and do my own thing from a young age. So I think that like my, my parents were kind of hands off with me. And you were both predominantly homeschooled, kept in the home, not not leaving every day to go to school and that sort of thing. Whereas I I went to private school and I, you know, left my home and I had other adults in my life uh, that were kind of in that similar authoritarian. Like when I was in school, all the adults very much were like every child needs to sit quietly and still unmoving, unspeaking, uninterrupting, you know, and just be quiet, be seen and not heard. Be seen and and not heard. And the stillness is like a whole thing with it, which is super uh, weird. Because it's tied to scripture, right? Yeah. Well, it's funny because we were expected, so we were pastor's kids, so we were expected to be seen and heard, but we were expected to be like kind of paragons of goodness Mm. and like, you know, we were drug on missions trips all the time and we had to perform shine Jesus shine in front of people. So it was much more like, yeah. And we were expected to participate and talk to adults, but we just had to be good and kind of show off how good of our parents were, I think. Yes. It's sort of like what it was. So it's interesting when you talk about the styles, none of those like super resonate with me because I feel like it was a mix of hands off, wanting us to perform and then guilt. Yeah. The yeah, trifecta was, of yeah. parenting. It was a really fun trifecta. Can we yeah. make up a new name for that? I, 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 I think it's called Christian parenting. Honestly, I that's, like I think so. Uh, but that guilt we, and yeah. that guilt factor that came in from the side almost mm-hmm. and just and you can apply that to, to all of these different parenting styles. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, fun times, really fun times. 
I also want to say I love it that they distilled. These are the four parenting types as if there's nothing else outside right? of it, and of course. And and none of them are attachment parenting like that is a Dr. Yeah. Sears invention, basically, of of how to how to actually like connect with your baby and child in a human way, which, you know, we weren't really that wasn't a part of our trifecta. That was that was absolutely not on people's minds at that time. My parents, for sure. Well, and I think a lot of our parents, the way they were raised were, were by these parenting styles. I think that's yeah. how, yes, like the older yeah. generations, it was either the kind of very removed or the very authoritarian. And especially, I think, like, you know, the absentee father, the guys going off to war, all that stuff. Um, yeah, it's interesting how each generation... You know, I know our parents probably tried to do it different from there. I mean, I know that. Like, I know yeah. that my dad has tried really hard not to be his parent, too. Like, his dad had a lot of anger issues. And my dad is not that way. My family, were, my dad is not a yeller. He is not a, like, he's pretty, like, even keeled. And, like, he, yeah, it's just interesting watching how we all kind of rebel in our ways from the ways that we were parented. But I want to, so I want to start this episode. I do want to make a disclaimer here. Um I don't want to get lost in trying to make excuses for our parents. I think that there's a tendency to want to like be kind about this and um, and no, I just want to acknowledge we know I don't think that my parents were trying to be evil. I don't yeah. think that they are even bad people. And I think that they are given really bad information and the 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 chokehold that like Dr. Dobson and other people like him had on evangelicals with parenting is buck wild, caused a ton of harm. But I don't want to that this isn't necessarily about them and me like forgiving them. I, like, and in fact, I just wish that I feel like our generation is is having these conversations and theirs isn't necessarily. I, yeah. I know that some people are, but mm -hmm. like my wish and hope for that generation is that they are able to see how they screwed up and the things that they listen to and start to make amends because you know the things i'm learning is that they the chasm is so deep between children and their parents because of dr dobson and because of evangelicalism and the way that they told people to be parents and mm -hmm. sure i feel bad for them slightly that they were told these things and they bought into a lie but also like when you are presented with new information do better, do better. <laughs> that's my first yes. yeah and that Ugh. did not happen I have so sorry, I, little little rant there, but <laughs> I love that rant and I, I second it and add this to for the consideration of the board, which is I absolutely agree with you. Like that is so truly the way that it is. And it's I also will add that my experience as an adult with my parents has been also like interesting and ebbs and flows in different ways. And as you know, I talk a lot about my mom on this podcast and it's not to be mean and I'm kind of making her into a character, I guess. But the, the truth is I do know that our adulthood relationship has been damaged because mm -hmm. I grew up a way that made her ashamed, I think, of her parenting. It's a little bit of an over-identification with like all of us, you know, and the idea, I feel like that they were sold, people in our parents' generation by the church was, these are creatures that need to be broken and then remade into this like specific style of person, which is really a lot more about American culture and like mm -hmm. the 1950s ideal that was a throwback dream wish from the in the 80s like when i was a kid this was like this and it's 
it's like it's a lie, but it's also not Christian. It's just cultural. I don't know. I, I find it really fascinating when people stay in the church and as my mom has. And then the the feeling of like all of my kids don't go to church. I raised them up in the way they should go. What did I do wrong? And feeling like a personal failure about it really sucks. And I don't feel like my parents failed. I feel like they raised us to be the people we actually are, whether they wanted to or not, but we're all very much ourselves and that's pretty cool. Did you guys have the experience of being parented differently in your home versus when you were outside of your home? My parents were really consistent. They were they were the same way with me every, well, my mom in particular. Like my dad, I just don't feel like, he participated in discipline of us like at my mom's request. Mm. <laughs> he was like on call for like, Oh, he was a resident spanker. You know, if my mom yeah. was just. Was it like, wait till your father comes home? Did you hear that, Sarai? Okay, so I'm gonna tell you what it was. It wasn't that. It wasn't that my mom was afraid to spank us because she did a lot of it. It would be more like when my mom was really, really, really angry. And I think she spanked us in, in that stage a few times and then probably was like, okay, that doesn't feel like the right way this should feel is my mm. guess. I mean, I spanked my kid when he was, my youngest kid, when he was like two or three, well, two, and it was horrible. I was just like, I can't believe this is a thing people are okay with doing. It's the worst feeling in the world. And I don't know, like I just, I don't know exactly how that affected her emotionally, but it was more like, I don't want to spank them when I'm enraged. And so you go wait in your room and then, you know, maybe she'd calm down enough. But I also preferred my dad spanking me because my moms were much more painful and she always used a wooden spoon and it was terrible. Yeah, my dad was not the main like punishment giver. I mean, my mom homeschooled us. We were at home with her all the time. He worked at the church, so he was gone a lot. And like I said, he was much more even killed. And so, um, but if we got in big enough trouble that it was like, you wait till your dad gets home, then it was like kind of really terrifying. Cause like then if my if if we do something enough to get my dad mad at us, then like that means we did something really bad. Um, and honestly, I feel like I lucked out is probably a bad way to say it, but <laughs> My mom figured out pretty easily that like taking away socialization, friends, things like that was a much more effective punishment for me. Um, and so I know I did get spanked. I have some memories of that. But like my youngest sister, I know like the family, you know, my mom broke wooden spoons on her and Gosh. they had a, an incredibly contentious relationship. So she was the strong willed child of our family. Mm. Uh, my middle sister was the perfect child, uh, the one who never got in trouble and did everything my mom wanted. And I was the negotiator. And mm. so I was always like kind of I would just negotiate my way out of trouble. I'd be like, OK, sure. Yeah, I did that wrong. But like if I do this and I was a super responsible, I watched my siblings a lot or I just tell my mom I'd help with something. Um, since my mom was a very emotional parenter, which is now that I'm a parent again and like I didn't do a lot of reading on like spanking going into being a parent. I wasn't sure what I, th I thought about it. And I, I think I gave my daughter like a quick swat on the, her like little diapered butt when she was two. And cause two is a really insane age to parent, right? It's very they don't, challenging. They, yeah. They don't listen. There's, there's no consequence that you can give them. Cause now that my kid's eight, I can like reason with her about yeah. things. I can take screen time away. I can, you know, there's certain things that we can like, anyways. So, 
and I did that and and it came out of a place of anger and frustration from me and it felt so great and even that I like literally was like barely a tap and like you were saying sorry I felt so off I was like ew I can't like because I'm gonna hurt her and myself because I'm I'm out of my mind I'm so frustrated yeah. right now and like obviously her and I need to figure out a way to like, but I'm the goddamn adult here. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's the thing is like, she's two and she's yep. doing what a two year old should be doing. And like me harming her is just going to make her afraid of me. Mm -hmm. And I don't want my kid to be afraid of me. And the weird thing is the thing is I've talked about this with my sisters and I, and I don't fully understand this. <laughs> my sisters are convinced that my mom is afraid of me. <laughs> so whatever that means, there is a weird, I have a different relationship with my parents than my siblings have. And I think it's just because I checked out at a pretty young age. And I think that my parents thought I was like a goner. Like I moved to Southern California. I worked in music. I was like, I think that they thought I was going to go and never return and like never mm. talk to them again. And so the fact that I have a pretty decent relationship with my parents, I don't know. I just get a, they give me a lot of grace. I have, I have a longer leash than <laughs> sister <laughs> for whatever reason. So I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. So when I was a kid, we had, um, you know, I've talked about this in the past. I had some experiences that as an adult, I realized were kind of even beyond the Dr. Dobson discipline. Um, but I, I want to be really clear that hitting a child as an adult hitting a child is child abuse, regardless of why it happens or it being a consequence that you think a child deserves. Any form of physical contact that is unwanted, that is not consented to, um, that harms a person is abuse. And so um, this idea of like using a wooden spoon because it's better than your hand. Um, I remember that was a principle was like, oh, don't use your hand to beat your child. Uh, use a spoon, a wooden spoon. So wait, why is the spoon better? What makes well, it Well, it's the idea that if you have a hand and you smack your kid and use your hand that one, anytime they see your hand, it could trigger them to be fearful. And we don't want our children to be fearful. Um, oh, this is sure. a Christian. Uh -huh. Who principle. said that? Yep. Okay. <laughs> no, they do <laughs> want their children. Is this yeah, modern I day? Bullshit. Yeah. When yeah. we were kids, they absolutely wanted to, us to fear them. My mom would always criticize my aunt. Like, oh, she and her daughter are best friends. And look what that's doing. It's such a terrible thing. And I'm like, we're not friends. And she's like, no, I'm your mom. And I was like, okay, what? It, it, it just, I do know that they wanted us to not be terrified of them, but certainly to fear them like we were supposed to fear God. I think that was mm -hmm. a really right. misunderstood and misused, misapplied idea. Well, it's couched in the language of respect a lot as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Honor like, thy father and mother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, and don't talk back. Which Talking to me, back. I would, I would like to be clear that when they said don't talk back, they really truly meant do not open your mouth. Do not speak a single word, phrase, sound. Do not roll your eyes. Do not huff under your breath. Do not have any like facial reaction, verbal it was just, reaction. It was don't all. disagree. It was do not. You could have a verbal reaction if you were in agreement with them. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you were nodding yes or saying mm -hmm. okay or apologizing or, yeah, or yeah, taking yeah. fall. Yeah. 
talking back was just straight up being like, well, actually, I think, which is funny, again, because me being the new negotiator, I don't feel like talking back was as big of a thing in my family because my mom was quite the verbal processor and she did want to connect with us like on a heart level. Yakety yak, don't talk back. Remember that song? Yes. Yep. <laughs> I learned... <laughs> I learned pretty early on that I couldn't just say, well, I think this or I would get in trouble. So instead, I would try to figure out new ways to say the same thing. And it would be things like, so why is this the rule? And I observe this around it and wonder if maybe the point of the rule is this, but the way that you're talking about it is this other thing. And then it would be like, go to your room and I will be there in 10 minutes oh, with no. a fucking wooden spoon. Oh, no. <laughs> you know oh. what I did? I did steal all the wooden spoons in the house over the course of my life. And we found so many of them between my bed and my mattress and my box spring when I moved Genius. out to go to college. I, I mean, know, that's what you. I thought. What a, I was yeah. like, high fives me. I don't remember doing that, but I did. You're like, that okay. thing was a tool of pain and and not that's not okay. So sorry mm -hmm. if you need to cook something. I'm taking the wooden spoon. You can have a spatula. That's it. <laughs> I remember there was this like infamous story of close family friends of ours who had four boys and they were all while you know they went to our church of course and i remember the most the the strong-willed of them he was always in trouble always doing crazy stuff these boys were always getting in trouble and you know he would get spanked so often and i remember <laughs> this infamous story i was like good on him he one day was like wait you know told to go to his room wait for his dad to come give him a spanking or whatever and he packed his underwear full of rocks <laughs> so that when his dad hit him with his hand he his dad hit the rocks oh. and his dad was like oh so I mean gosh. I'm sure it hurt him too but it was like I was like way to fight back bro I thought it I was, mean uh, my brother and I would scheme stuff like that and I'd be like what yeah. if I put a book in my pants like on my butt like no one's gonna notice a rectangle shape like in your butt right right my mom would totally still spank you the specific shame of waiting for the spanking like the yeah. go to your room and the like also i feel like you get to a certain age and you're like this is so weird that you just like want me to bend over and so i had to my go, to my go to my parents room i wasn't mm -hmm. i didn't get told to go to my own room because there was like cool stuff in there probably it was go <laughs> to my play room and wait barbies while you wait no <laughs> Yeah, it was the Hart family. I wasn't allowed Barbies, uh, but the <laughs> naturally, of course, go into your parents room in this like adult sized space. Right. The bed is bigger. The, sh the space is bigger. It was like very overwhelming to me as a small child to sit on this enormous bed waiting with my feet that don't touch the ground and like and then to have a parent come in. So when my dad would spank me, um, I would clench my butt. He used a wooden spoon predominantly. Um, so I was waiting. I would clench my butt and I would hold it. And he would wait until I couldn't hold it. And I would unclench and he would hit me. <gasps> Ugh. That type of like forethought or almost like him waiting to be like, this isn't going to hurt you enough. Like, that's what I thought that meant. Yeah. Was yeah. him like asserting so much control over the entirety of the situation and it wouldn't matter what i had done or and i was a good good fucking girl okay there was not a lot of things that i did that even deserved a type of punishment much less a traumatizing lengthy drawn out verbal and physical abuse um yeah. as punishment and 
uh, I had kind of a similar experience when I had my kid and he was two that you all both shared. And um, I was told by Christian friends and Christian adults that I looked up to that were, you know, older generation than me and had already raised their children that especially because I had a boy, the only way that I would punish him, that I should punish him, uh, that would quote, get through to him would be to, to hit him. Uh, and so I did, I hit him. Uh, it was the most regretful thing I've ever done. I, anytime I think about it, I apologize to him. And, um, that's another thing that's really important to me is like, I heard when I was going to get spanked, I heard this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Uh Oh, fuck liars, liars. Then apologize or maybe don't do it if it's going to hurt you and not if it's hurting everybody so much. Right. Yeah. Like, why are we not? Why are we not committed to protect these children as Christian parents? raising young beautiful perfect made in god's image humans that's it's too hard for me to reconcile a very precious moments idea of how our parents saw children i don't know exactly how our individual parents did but i'm saying like a generation of boomers by and large the earlier ones in particular did have a lot of interesting parenting practices Mm -hmm. and i think none worse than those that were influenced by the christian right slash evangelical church and of course in particular one asshole okay i'm gonna do a taboo ready Mm -hmm. pretend i have a card i pulled this taboo who okay so it's like a guy um Colorado Springs, uh, Adventures in Odyssey, McGee and me. Anybody? Oh, focus on the family. Uh, uh-huh. uh, and who is the evil mastermind behind focus on the fucking family? <laughs> Doctor. Get it. James, You're so close. You're so close. James Do- yeah. Dobson. Dobson. You got it. Dobson. We've got Dobson here. <laughs> One point for everybody. Moving We're, on. I'm the winner. That guy. That guy. Can we just fuck that? Can that we just say fuck you, Doctor Dobson? Guy. Yeah, I was gonna say this like fucking a, guy. Yeah, that's, right? If anyone deserves a this fucking guy, it's mm-hmm. Doctor Dobson. Hey, we are ma'am. coming. We are coming for you, man. You know, like you, know you, what? you I'm might be 86, burn. but mm-mm, I'm about to 86. You. Burn it down. Like we are <laughs> this is we're just scratching the surface here. Like yeah. this is now, you know, we've this is probably our second episode that we've gotten into him. I'm sure that there will be more uh, a discipline. Lot. But like all of our parents took all of their parenting cues from him. Yeah. And him alone. And there were other philosophies I remember hearing about later, but like the spare the rod spoil the child thing was doctor i i heard that there was even a book of his that came with a spanking tool that he <gasps> provided people with like a spoon type thing for spanking uh, uh I need to read. what that's yeah gross yep he partnered uh, with some wooden spoon manufacturer several so people like, in our tiktok commented that their parents had like gotten books that came with the, their parents got books that came with the spanking. oh my god because it was that and and here's the thing like i i don't want to read his books i don't think i ever have i'm familiar with his philosophies because i was parented with them he was obviously a big deal i did listen to adventures in odyssey mm-hmm. mcgee and me fucking love that shit well and so, i think it's important that we note the focus on the family like world really did focus on the children mm-hmm. in yeah. my mind it was not a lot of like helping the adults become better people <laughs> it was like 
let's help you control the young people in your home. And yeah, we're going to help you because we're going to make Christian kids shows and Christian radio programs. And we're going to help influence your kids that to agree with this system of control and fear. And for those who don't know, so he is a psychologist. He, Dr. James Thompson, started Focus on the Family, still exists, very successful organization to this day. But he wrote a couple of parenting books that became bestsellers, one of them being The Strong-Willed Child and one of them being Dare to Discipline, I believe, are his two main books. And mm-hmm. so those, The Strong-Willed Child specifically deals with like basically breaking the will of a child that isn't like conforming to your idea of what a kid should be. And I feel like most families had one and most of them were neurodivergent as we mm-hmm. we talked about in our episode with DL Mayfield, we got into that a little bit, but it is that book starts with a story that Dr. Dobson uh, talks about uh, getting his dog to go yep. in its kennel. Yep. And, it's a story completely about his dog. And this and, is how he starts the conversation. He starts the conversation. About about, how to help your, quote, help your child, right? And oh. it it ends with him hitting his dog with a belt. Which is and like. It, and it working, right? Like it. Right. And his the dog then that, was terrified of him and went in its crate. Like, wow, good job. What a. We should listen to this guy. <laughs> Let's apply this abuse animal abuse to how we parent our children like who picked that book up and was like this is great obviously our parents and also every evangelical church like we had a bulletin insert every single week or every single month or however often they came out with them and i'm sure they sent them like free to churches or something yeah yeah. and we put them they put them in there and it would advertise his books and his radio series and all these other things And I remember this mainly because one of I read everything in the bulletin because I would get bored after music and (laughs) I read it. And there was one time it was like a QA, and a and somebody asked, uh, how old should my child be when I don't spank them anymore? And he said, like, generally, you shouldn't spank after they're about 10 years old. And I was 10 and I was like, look at this. Mom and dad is right here in black and white, approved by (laughs) none other than Dr. James Dobson. It's science. And they're like. Uh, we don't. That's not. That's not true, though. In our case, we're gonna keep spanking you. And they oh, did that's the one thing that they the didn't believe him on. Last time Come I got on. spanked, I was fifteen. Wow, fifteen. You know, that's I think my spanking up. stopped because my parents got divorced. So, oh. yeah. Good on. Mm-hmm. Good on you, mom. <laughs> Another reason why you love divorce. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I I don't think I got spanked after like eight or nine. Again, like my mom figured out grounding was a like ground shame worked for me because I remember the the biggest trouble I ever got again because we were we were good kids, right? None of us did crazy things like nah, we weren't uh, doing drugs. I wasn't sneaking out at night. I didn't. I did. I dyed my hair brown. Oh, that's right. You look like your hair brown. So. You know, it's pretty bad. So rebellious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I definitely bleached my hair in high school and I got a tattoo the second I turned 18. Yeah, but, it was a um, Jesus tattoo. It's fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. And now I'm looking into tattoo removal, not because I don't like Jesus, because the tattoo is really ugly. Uh, mm-hmm. But also the scripture that I have on my back does give me the heebie-jeebies. Uh, so <laughs> there's, there's that. Um, it's about, it's funny. So I don't know if I got into 
it, it relates to this because the tattoo I got is about do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. And of course, I got nautical stars because I was rock and roll. Um, yeah. But I mean, the whole like do everything without complaining and yes. arguing like it is that that wasn't in a adult. depraved generation. Fuck you guys. Well, that, <laughs> like they apply I it like to every generation. Every right? generation is <laughs> depraved. Of course, we're right, all Sodom like, and Gomorrah did, now. Did Dr. Dobson write that verse? Because his whole thing and and I. The no, you know who reason. wrote it? Fucking Paul. So no, you're, uh, mortal. <laughs> you're mortal. That's me. why um, it sucks. It came from an asshole. It's, a different one. Going back to your question of like why this entire generation, not just our three parents, multitudes of parents, why they bought this so hook, line and sinker. I don't know that we'll ever fully know that. I think because it was it was just widely accepted. The pastors told like Dr. Dawson was the option, a great kind marketer. Of the option for parents, well, right? It well, was like you could read a, a, a secular book about parenting, but like this was Jesus focus this was divinely like well, and given it, but it to took, him and it took the culture wars though like dr dobson was really good at the marketing of fear yes feeling. and so it was the how do we protect our children from the world how do we make sure that they don't end up like those that crooked and depraved generation am i right yeah. and and so it was you can't parent like these hippies who let their kids ask all these questions and do whatever they want you have to you know you can't spoil your child you gotta get, hit him with that rod and that's and that and i think in the fear of hell i i, I know for my parents is they would rather harm us than because mm. in their mind the i think that it hurts me more than it hurts you in their mind like this is for a greater good this is to oh, make you have good yeah. character so you go to heaven because my children can't go to hell i and i think that they believe that i really do i think yeah, they if, did if that they could beat the the sin nature out of us then we would be saved from eternal damnation can we go one sense. step past this? Because I will say, you know where I'm going to go immediately. Because obviously, <laughs> patriarchy bring us there. It, it is, it is patriarchy, but it's also like honestly more and more clearly, obviously, overtly still tied to the fucking Republican Party. It's. People like James Dobson, who with Jerry Falwell, yeah. with Pat Robertson, decided to say the most important element of our society is individual nuclear families. It yeah. is up to each double set of parents because God forbid someone get divorced because you should be able to endure all things through Christ who strengthens me, I guess. Right. Like, well, speaking you, of shitty up, Bible verses, of fuck right. you again, Paul. It's up to your heteronormative male and female Correct. parents. Correct. Yes. Who then had 2.5 or 60 children. The other big part, like I'm sure you both remember in the 90s when we were like early, you know, tweens and teens, the the big movement in the dominant Republican uh, party in the House and the Senate after Clinton was elected and we lost the midterms, blah, blah, blah. Newt Gingrich and his bullshit of family values. And that mm. became a way that that right wing people spurred culture wars that they'd already been seeding and planting 
bringing things back to family values to make everyone sad about abortion and use that as a political tool. Using this idea of family values to say, all the gays are bad, we need to fight them because they are gonna corrupt and destroy your children. The first version of Dare to Discipline was written in 1970, and it was couched in fear mongering about the dirty hippies and the Vietnam War and how unruly all these kids on campus were and whatever. And then he wrote a new version of it in some later time. I don't even know when it's called the new Dare to Discipline, where he's like, I took out those references and maybe he softened perhaps some advice about spanking. I don't know, because I'm not going to fucking buy the book, but I will (laughs) say it's probably still full of a lot of bullshit. But the truth is like what my parents, mom, wanted was for also for all of us to be good Republicans. Mm -hmm. She wanted us to Mm -hmm. also be aligned with that idea that somehow religion and politics need to be the same thing. Like I literally didn't know the difference when I was a kid. I thought you had to be a Republican if you were a Christian. Oh yeah, absolutely. I remember I had a cousin because my whole family, or at least the family that I was in contact with and was raised with were all conservative Christian. And we were very close to my grandparents, all my aunts and uncles and cousins. And I remember uh, one of my cousins, I remember them saying one time that like, I think that my mom, my parents care more about like, if I'm a Republican than if I'm a Christian, like that was more, their voting record was more important. I agree. That's how I feel too. I have a I have a little bit of something to share about Dr. Dobson and his philosophy on these things. Uh, All things discipline. This is from Dare to Discipline, the Ridge, pages six and seven in the 1970 edition. Pain is a marvelous purifier. It is not necessary to beat the child into submission. A little bit of pain goes a long way for a young child. However, the spanking should be of sufficient magnitude to cause the child to cry genuinely. Mm. Would you like to know what that means? I will tell you. (laughs) I was like, is this a real question? I'm like, yeah, yes and no. He has has an answer for it. I just want to really share. Uh, Real crying usually lasts two minutes or less, (gasps) but may continue for five. After that point, the child is merely complaining. I would require him to stop the protest crying, usually by offering a little more of whatever caused the original tears. (gasps) Like a spanking? Stop crying or I'll give you a reason to cry. I'll give you something to cry about. Give you something to cry about. Yeah, thank you for saying it right. Yeah. Some strong-willed children absolutely demand to be spanked and their wishes should be granted. Two or three stinging (gasps) strokes on the legs or buttocks. I'm sorry, I literally cannot hear it. It's... So infuriating to me the way that he is talking about a small child. Okay, go back. Sorry, I interrupted. I couldn't handle. No, I mean if it's this is a content warning for everyone. We're talking about Dobson. (laughs) Like it's bad. It's okay. (laughs) Back up. Back up. Sorry, I need I need to hear this with some adult. Like we're I think I'm some, having a trauma we're response. We're having some big feelings yes. right here. That's the way I talk to my child about when she's losing her mind. It's and so overt. It's literally so clearly, here's how you abuse your children and then justify it to yourself. This is what this is. And to everyone around you and from the pulpit. It's just one more way for Christians to not actually have to be accountable for their actions or the state of who they are in the world. Like people are given so many cop outs like, well, we're all fallen. I guess I can continue to suck and be bad and mean to people like, 
cool. I guess if that's what you want to do, but I don't know, that's not the Jesus I thought I met along the way. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I guess. So this basically, he continues on to describe like how to spank correctly and what tools to use. Um, but the point of discipline was you must obey me. Yeah. Yeah. My dad told my kid because uh, he was going to have a sleepover with his cousin and they are notoriously troublemakers. And my dad was like, so if you disrespect or don't obey, the sleepover ends immediately. And I was like, Tavi, do you know what obey means? <laughs> <laughs> I like do not talk about that as a thing. Yeah, I'm just like blanket statement of just any word that comes out of my mouth. You say right. yes and you do it immediately and you don't ask questions and you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. And you I, obey. Absolutely. I do want to bring up that uh, all the discipline I had as a kid was not just physical. Uh, Lindsay, I know you talked about kind of the taking things away. I don't remember if I said a bad word or if I talked back or I said something that was, quote, disrespectful. Uh, but it led to my mouth being washed out with soap. And I think I don't know where this came from. I'm assuming it was a focus on the family Dobson type thing where it was this idea of if your mouth is dirty and you're saying mm -hmm. dirty things that we are going to physically wash it with soap. And that will then teach you to stop using your mouth. I think it was the idea. Um, so I, I remember a bar of soap and my toothbrush being rubbed on a bar of soap. And then I had to brush my mouth, particularly my tongue. Uh, and I remember tasting the soap for a very long time after mm -hmm. it got stuck in the bristles and it just had this pungent, it would break through whatever, Colgate or whatever I was using. And um, it didn't help me to stop saying words. It didn't help me to, <laughs> it, it really just made me fearful, I think in a different way, in a way that said, oh my gosh, there's gonna be innovation in this torture. There's going to be new things to look out for. And that's not safety. It doesn't make you feel like, oh, these are really good guardrails and, and help me feel safe and protected and um, that I know what the expectation is for me. Uh, the big thing for me in my home with discipline is that there was no like 10 commandments on the wall, I guess. It was like any reason mm. that my parent got upset was a reason to discipline me. And mm. the rhyme or reason around that and the types of punishments that I received I didn't I didn't understand how they connected in those ways. Um, and so I think the soap in the mouth one, it did cognitively make sense to me. Like, oh, my mouth was dirty. So soap. Yeah, that's what I got for like cussing or saying bad things. And which from a very young age was a problem that I had. Still Little do. potty mouth wins. Um, <laughs> which is not also, a problem. It's a yeah, feature. It's not. Okay? It's not a problem. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, language still to this day bothers my parents. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I got my mouth washed out with soap a few times. That definitely, I think that was pre-Dobson because I remember that was a big part of the Christmas story movie. That's a, mm -hmm. a plot line in there. I think that was like a generate, like it feels like that's been done for ages. It's so gross and horrible and the taste of so Also, I'm like, there's like chemicals in here. Like it just Yeah, we were not like using like organic not, toxic free shit back then. Right. Oh, I was like, no. this just doesn't feel like a, it's so funny because now my kid, she's like, I have not made, my rule with her has always just been like, you can hear languages, don't say it because I just want people like, school to like judge me as a parent or whatever but at home she's always like 
mom, can I say a bad word? And I always say yes. And it's so cute because she always asks permission and she uses cuss words so well. What was it the yes. other day? She was, what is she? She was like, mom, I just want to say, because we were watching, oh, we watch RuPaul's Drag Race together because I am an excellent parent. And, um, we were talking about you know, a lot of them have had work done and you can tell like, you know, they have some bigger queens, but I don't maybe there's like a some sort of diet commercial or something came on. You know, we talk a lot about bodies and she was like, Mom, I just want to say, fuck all these people trying to get fucking skinny. <laughs> and I was like, Yes, this is amazing. I was like, Yeah, preach girl. Like you're right. We oh, should just accept we our body. Have the whale tail and the like skinny people only exist in the world come back again that we had it to deal with when we too were teenagers. Late. It's because of Ozempic. I blame that and probably Ugh. the Kardashians. I know. I thought curves were coming back and now I'm like Mindy Kaling. Sorry, I digress. But like it makes me I, I saw a post the other day on Instagram. It was all about like uh, like are we being gaslit by a celebrity like all these people who had curves and then just suddenly don't anymore and you're like like they got money and they got no curves yeah Yeah. i was like i thought we were over this people like never it's the diet industry is still so powerful and so important to us but you know what good on margo and she used swears very appropriately for that so i cheer that on yeah and my do stand like queen in your daughter Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm We just yeah. decided that words are words and that we rather would teach our kid what those words mean, the history behind them, the way they've been used to harm people and let him make his decisions about when and where he's going to use certain language. And, you know, he's almost 13 now, but we've been doing this since he was younger because he needed language to express things. And when you tell a child there are certain things that are like not allowed without any explanation without any context or history Um, my son would never say the n-word he knows what that means and and if he hears it or if someone else says it he has a lot of strong feelings about it Mm -hmm. um because he understands what it means um especially coming from a white person to a black person so language matters um i get that i don't think that when you wash your kid's mouth out with soap, that that results in them being an angelic person in their speaking. Um, well, but it it doesn't lend to them making an informed decision about why they are or aren't going to do things. Do we want our children to be good, kind, respectful humans? A hundred percent. Is every kid the same? No, like no one parenting philosophy is going to work for everyone. We're all doing the best that we can, but we are also like very specifically doing it very different than our parents. And I'm grateful for that. I watch like, I know we don't parent our children the exact same, but I watch the way that we have conversations. We respect our children. We apologize to our children. We, you know, like, I think the older generation that because I said so reason for a punishment, like Mm -hmm. it was just, I'm the mom. And of course, are there times when I'm frustrated and she's like, why can't I have lucky charms for every meal and i'm like because i said so because <laughs> crap you know because it's pure sugar Go and you read the side of the uh, <laughs> box and then right. you come back and you tell me what research you've discovered and if you think that's a healthy choice for you <laughs> well yeah and there are times i'm like yeah you're a small child like i do know better than you like what is you need actual like vitamins and nutrients in your body <laughs> like you literally cannot live on lucky charms alone she would she would if i she would you know what she, she could i think she I could would on lucky chance give her absolutely. some whole vitamin d milk you know just be like go she to might town, never kid. like poop again but you know. <laughs> <laughs> there's 
some fiber in there. I'm just going to be honest. I lived on just Fruit Loops for probably six months after I got divorced. So, you know, there you I'm go. fine. Yeah. I guess it wasn't good for me. <laughs> oh, well. It's what you needed in that moment. So. Thank you. And yeah. it did feel nourishing at the time because it made me be like, yeah, I can eat all the sugar cereal I want. I'm 35, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> a bowl of cereal after uh, popping a gummy is it is a spiritual experience. There is sometimes I saw sometimes you have that one on TikTok. Cereal. Yeah, sure did. It mm-hmm. it's just right sometimes. That's true. true. So what is a strong will? Do you guys know this uh, idea of a strong will person? I'd love to talk about why strong will is bad in Dr. Dobson's eyes um, mm-hmm. and in parents' eyes. But um, strong-willed is being determined to do something that you want to do even if someone else advises against it. That's the dictionary definition. Mm. Uh, what do you think the Dr. Dobson definition of strong-willed is? Any ideas? Doesn't do what you ask them to <laughs> at the first second yeah. you ask them mm-hmm. and has a personality that isn't yours. Good. Is yeah. that is that it? <laughs> yeah, I think that was pretty close. Yep. Linz, any ideas? Yeah, doesn't cave easily, stubborn. Um, yeah, doesn't adhere to what you want them to be as a child has there. Maybe maybe throws a tantrum sometimes. Mm. Mm, maybe lies or, you know, like it's, yeah, isn't, isn't a perfect child. Do you guys think um, having a strong will is bad? No. No. I think it's necessary, but our to parents be a did. Person, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm like I don't, but I happen to know as having a sibling. I mean, my youngest sister, like my parents, did not know what to do with her. She, from the get go, had her own way of going through the world. She lived her life as an animal for many years, like literally would eat food out of a bowl on the floor, like was just, she was- Living the most adventurous, imaginative life. She could like, she could gallop on her hands and knees. She was very fast on her hands and knees. I kind of couldn't believe it. And (laughs) she she went through, after Lamb Before Time, she's obsessed with Sarah, the Triceratops, and she would like headbutt strangers in the grocery store on her hands and knees. Um, But like- I think my mom literally tried to like beat that out of her because uh, what I know did they she, want her to be like standing upright. I mean, because smiling that's sweetly. all. Well, that's all like the cute stories. There were also like she hurt us. She sprayed raid in Danielle's eyes one time <gasps> when she was fighting her. She would scratch me till I bled. Like she was. Oh, she had scrappy. a lot of feelings. <laughs> yes, she did. That's and. Good. And my mom, I mean, so she got sent to like one of those hell houses. Like my mom, my mom was terrified for her. My mom thought she was going to go to hell because she was Mm -hmm. a bad kid. And now I know she's a neurodivergent kid and she had learning disability. And I also feel like she just drew the short end of the stick on everything. And she's artistic and she has a really imaginative mind and sees the world in a different way. And she just didn't fit the mold. You know, she did not like... I think she had sensory issues with clothes. Like she lived only in dresses for our whole. She didn't like wearing pants. She didn't like the feeling of, you know, just certain things like she just did her way. And of course, some of that's cute. We tell these stories like I remember in her phase of like being a dog, like friends of ours bought her like a rawhide dog bone for Christmas one year. And she like, she, she like not on. She like ate it because she was so and so but we committed. went to, Yeah, we went to Disneyland that year and my parents were a little at a loss because they were like, she can't like be. So then we like. <laughs> 
I think we got there. My parents were just like, oh, by the way, they don't allow dogs at Disneyland. I'm like, that's oh, how they got oh. there. I mean, Smart. that's a good one. Just sorry, yeah. they so, don't, only kids allowed. <laughs> I'm going to give yeah. them a one point back for parenting. That's right. right? They that did not good one. spank her into genuine crying. Yeah. Yeah. We were just talking about this the other day, actually, because there was. When I was in junior high, we were living in Wyoming and it was a particularly tumultuous time. So she probably would have been like nine or 10 because she's five years younger. So maybe a little, maybe like eight or something. And her and Danielle had just been going at, I mean, it's just like they had been fighting. They were much, they're closer in age. And I, I functioned as like kind of a surrogate mom. You know, I wasn't close with my youngest sister until adulthood. Um, I always viewed her as the ba- the wild child, the baby. I just did not get her. I was so mature and she was so wild, strong-willed. And my mom got so upset at her. I don't remember what over. I think this is probably after she sprayed the raid in Danielle's eyes when they were fighting, which is a horrible thing to do. Yeah. Um, and my mom like threatened to send Candace away to like a group home or something. <gasps> and because she just like couldn't with her anymore. And I remember it, it, she brought this up the other day and I'd forgotten. And my middle sister and I, we um, rode our bikes to like the store and we got like flowers and chocolates or something like to bring back to like calm my mom <gasps> down. Cause we oh were like, you gosh. can't, you can't send because she, my mom was so emotionally fraught. Like so much of her punishment, I think came from some of it, Dr. Thompson, but she was dealing with depression and a kid like, you know, like my youngest sister, was born after my brother died. My mm. parents wanted to have a boy, you know, all of these things. Like there was so much that was fraught in the birth of this child that then had learning difficulties and wasn't neurotypical and all of these things, you know? And so, and yeah, anyways, all of that to say that uh, for me, mitigating like punishment in my family really meant like figuring out how to make my mom happy. And how to regulate her emotions because the punishments came a lot from like as much as they all wanted it to come from like a book. I think at the end of the day, when you're allowed to kind of run free, when you have this ideology of I need to like break my child's spirit, but you yourself are like such a broken person like how that is a recipe for disaster and it is exactly why we all find ourselves in therapy why we have strained relationships with our parents why so many of you don't talk to your parents because of it it was such a toxic combination like these are broken people Mm -hmm. who are taking their cues from a horrible evil person who's couching it in the language of god and of care of and care psychology of right god and, of, and like, science and right. psychology and but, yeah but convincing yourself that you're doing this for the good of your child to save mm. them from hell to make them be better people to you know make them believe in creation versus evolution or whatever <laughs> giant yeah. thing was so important at that time really bumps me out when i think about it how much of it was truly like their desires. I mean, we can't really quantify this, but I do think that there's another side of it, which is I don't want people to think I'm a bad parent. Mm-hmm. Like I want mm-hmm. them to think I'm a good kid parent mm-hmm. and my children have to reflect all. They're the ones that say everything about me. And so if someone thinks my kid's bad, they think I'm bad, which yeah. is true in the church for mm-hmm. sure. Uh-huh. But like it, it wasn't necessarily even that they had these like lofty goals besides you have to be a Christian or you'll go to hell. And also, if you don't vote for Republicans, you will also go to hell. Like it's I mean, I'm not kidding. Like it was really that intense. And I think a lot of it I'll say for myself, like 
I, a lot of it I think is about what other people think about your parenting, but I do have this moment when you were talking about your sister wearing dresses for so long, I have a kid who only wears shorts and he's only worn shorts every day of his life, except when we've gone to the snow and when he had to wear some pants to a band concert recently, but he hasn't worn shorts or pants since he was five, three, wait, five, five. And on this day, I was like, you have to wear pants. We fought forever. And then I finally just went and cried in the bathtub alone and it wasn't full of water. And then I went back in and was like, okay, I'll make you a deal. I'm worried that people will think I'm a bad mom if you don't wear pants on cold days. Like they'll think I'm just not paying attention. So what I need is you can wear shorts every day of your life if you want to, but I never ever want to hear you complain about being cold and I don't want you to get mad about it. And I want you to just be wearing shorts and know that that's a choice you get to make about what you put on your body. And ever, and then we went to a forgiveness breakfast because I was like, I was really mean and I'm very sorry. I didn't know how to handle it and it was hard. And so, you know, it's like that idea. There's a lot of things I make decisions about now that are like, do I think this is important because I really do think it's important? Or do I think it's important because I think other people will be like, what a bad mom if I let my kids do it or not do it or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, anytime I feel like it's because I'm worried about what other people are going to think about me and my parenting, I'm like, that's not actually about my kid. It's about mm -hmm. me and my own whatever. I'm not going to make them be that way. Like, yeah. you know, it's okay. My job is to be a mentor to another person. And, and it's not just the kid that I gave birth to. I think anyone who is seeking advice or support and is in my circle or in my space and it's somebody I can give to, then I want to share my knowledge and my information. My my parenting approach is when my kid asks permission to do something, what he's really asking for is, do you think this is safe? Do you think I'm ready for this? Because what he's telling me is, I think I'm ready, but I would like some parental supervision. I'd like to jump off the play structure onto the trampoline and see if I can flip. It sounds kind of dangerous, but it wasn't. And he did it and he asked me to watch him. <laughs> And he tried again and again and again, and he built his confidence because it was me saying, if you're ready for this, I want to be here to support you. So what do you need from me to feel confident? And if it's wear a hoodie every day, which is my kid's thing with his clothes, then that's what we do. You wear a hoodie, you wear shorts. It, it's, it's okay. And if other people or parents want to judge the way that I'm raising my kid, like, I don't know, more power to you, I guess. Like, I'm going to keep doing what's best for my kid. And I'm going to just try to do it in a way that does not cause the same kind of harm that I experienced as a kid. I'm going to fuck up in other ways. Like, that's just life. All I just kids don't want to therapy do the same too. thing. Yeah. Make new mistakes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just yeah. hope that they feel free to be them and free to talk. Like, I just want my kid to be able to talk to me about stuff yeah. and to come to me. And like, I went through phases. Like when I was in high school, I had a really good relationship with my mom, actually. Like I talked to her, I would come home every day. And there was this guy that I had on again, off again crush on for basically all of high school. And my mom would ask me if it was like a good fill day or bad fill day. Aww, <laughs> like, you know, cute. like I like one thing my mom is she's a good talker. We, we did. And again, it was different with all of the siblings and like, you know, there are times with Margot that I'm like, I love that we can just 
talk about anything and everything. And there are times when I feel like I have to be more stern. And there are times when I've yelled when I don't want to yell. And and I just try to take it in stride and and not I don't care what other people think about my parenting. Like, and I feel very free of that, which is Mm -hmm. great. Like, I think that being a pastor's kid, of course, my parents were, I mean, the things that were said about us kids, like, we're so, especially because I was a legit good kid and I wasn't getting into trouble. And the the examples that people would use, I mean, even in our own family, aunts and uncles, you know, like we moved a lot growing up. And so, you know, I had a relative say something about like, oh, I would never move my children because like, look what happened to Greg and Sean's kids. And I was like, what? Like, what happened? Yeah, I was (laughs) like, I don't understand. I mean, I remember, but that was the thing. Like, and at that point we were all Christians going to church. Like, you know, like this is before we got married. It was like when we got it's like, what's the failure? Like, where's the, you know? Oh, yeah, I have family parenting failure. I mean, because we listened to punk rock and wore studded belts and, you know, because I was into the super tones, you know, <laughs> okay, how dare I? That was some real demonic stuff, y'all. You know but- what? It was so edgy when Scott came <laughs> full force into the 90s. Like, wow, what an oh, edgy I love- community. I Don't you so remember much. like skanking all the time? Like, yeah. what a dude, dumb, dude, you guys, have I not to- dance. Have I not told? Told you this my I feel like I win the like aim name game because later college Lindsay all my handles were Pedro the Lindsay yeah classic but before that high school Lindsay who did not know any better because I was a good Christian girl my handle my aim handle was skankin barbie fuck yes oh, that's so good how many <laughs> offers did you get for Thank sex you. work oh <laughs> Skinny um, little like blonde girl. I did not. Oh yeah, I did not know. I yeah. So well, I'm gonna so need that to be a TikTok. Frankly, <laughs> just calling out some content. A uh, content. I feel like that's a good one. Right Skank there. And Barbie. Okay. Skank yeah, and yeah, Barbie. Will, At Skank and Barbie. It's I. I'm proud of it now. I was deeply regretful for a long time. Now I just think it's hilarious. Um, I don't even think. I'm sure my parents had no clue. I think my mom would have been like, "Uh, you should change that." I do um, love that we were so innocent that we just we had were. no fucking clue. Oh, I, had, just, I had no idea. You know, I hope that my children are not that sheltered when they leave my home because I think it would be good if I had more like life and safety skills <laughs> when I was a kid. Yeah. And like maybe less focus on fear or being perfect and maybe a little more life skill future mentorship giving because it's like i want my kid to come back or call me and be like hey what do i set the oven for when i do this thing or you know like i want my kid to know that i'm a resource for them and that i'm not ashamed or going to shame them or you know give them some reason to fear me i i I don't want to be feared i i just don't think that that's the the way that we can it's like that's not loving it breaks your it breaks trust with your kids and other humans when you abuse them. And it does make it hard for them once they're outside the illusion of thinking they deserve it or that they're doing something wrong and it's their fault. Once they learn that it's not. That behavior, once they can get away from it, will be something they avoid or repeat, but hopefully not that. 
You know, I think yeah. there's a difference. I think there's a lot of like, okay, so when this happens, that's abusive. Mm -hmm. And now you know that. And so when it happens, they can start to say it. It's kind of like, how do you help people not get gaslit all the time? Yeah. That's that's yeah. to me a really important part of this too, is calling out abuse where it does exist. And this is one of the things that I always talk about workplace abuse. I talk about spiritual abuse, obviously. I talk a lot about, you know, other kinds of abuse, verbal, emotional. My kids understand what those things are and like mm -hmm. what what it is and even though they do, it still affects them when it happens. And like that also is a good reminder of the fact that the way that we were parented, that like breaking of your spirit, um, it does not lend to <laughs> growing up and having healthy relationship. It, it honestly, we've talked about this somewhat with purity culture stuff, but it led to a lot of us being in toxic relationships mm. because we didn't know what like love could really look like or what a healthy relationship could be because we thought that fearing the person that we loved was healthy yeah. and it is not and it's just it makes me really sad and you know we we posted an interview with dl mayfield uh recently and um man the response to it has been wild and it has been overwhelming my my sister texted me about it she's like isn't it fun going viral for religious trauma i'm like no it is decidedly not no. fun it is really bad and horrible it's, that all of these people experienced all this shit it really truly is but it it gives me this sense of hope that we are all like in this together and while all of our experiences might be different like i wasn't a strong-willed child i didn't get like beat a lot or what have you but i still have so much trauma from that point in my life. We all do. And I think that naming it and trying to do better and like as I navigate, like being super involved at a church and having a spiritual home and my kid going to that church, but also figuring out like, what is what does that look like? Like last week, my husband, like we all go together often, but like sometimes my kid doesn't want to go. And that was not an option for me growing up, especially yeah. being a pastor's nope. kid. Literally was not. Never, never. And so my husband wants to stay home to watch a Formula One race. And I was like, I need to go. There's like a thing I have to like do or say or whatever at church. And so I was like, do you want to go with me, Margo? Or do you want to stay home with dad? And she's like, I want to stay home. I was like, great. End of conversation. No big yes. deal. Like, thank you for uh, asserting what your desires are. Great. Right. And there's sometimes she wants to go and like she loves our priest. She has friends there. Like, I, I don't think that she, I hope she's not going to view it as a traumatic place. And like. It's one of those things where, and I've told her before, you know, like, yes, like when she talks about like she's learning about different things at school, I'm like, yeah, some people believe like what we believe and a lot of people don't. And like, you can believe what you want when you grow up, you know? And I think having that freedom to just say like, well, yeah, this is what dad and I believe, but even what dad and I believe is a little bit different. We've each come to kind of our own decisions about things. And I, I really hope that she finds some freedom in that. And I also want to say like, of course, we are not parenting experts. No, Our kids are not oh perfect. Gosh. We're not trying <laughs> no. to tell any, we're no. not trying to tell anyone how to parent. That's no. not, I'm not, no. I'm not trying to be the anti-Dobson here. I'm just, I am. To... I'm trying to be the anti-Dobson. I don't know <laughs> yeah. that guy. I'm pretty, I'm pretty anti for Ooh, sure. Yes, I am, but yeah. I mean, I'm, a, I'm not like trying to we're be not, a substitute, be like, here's some resources for how to parent your children, not like him. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just, or, or, or there are lots of resources as a good resource and then just like apply the opposite. <laughs> Dr. Dobson says, spare the rod, spoil the child. Great. Start spoiling your child and please do spare the rod. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. So I think it's important for us to say we are obviously not parenting experts. We're just parents. And it makes it 
I think what I take from this conversation and what I feel about parenting is one, my kids were essential in my deconstruction and they hastened mm -hmm. it along quickly. Like my son was born, I was 30. I was like, this baby is already himself. He was born exactly the way he is. Mm -hmm. This He's never changed his fundamental personality. He was born this way. And it's not because I influenced him to be a certain way. Like he already has very divergent, different beliefs from me that I haven't always been comfortable with, but we talk about it, you know, instead of me being like, that's the wrong thing to believe this is the only right one. I don't know that that, I don't think that's true about almost anything except for like, you know, don't be racist and don't, you know, colonize more, more places and stuff. But, um, but overall, I think it's just a matter of like, you can be yourself and it's safe for you to be you. My job as a parent, in my opinion, is help my kids become the best they personally can be and want to be like help them understand why it matters to be better why why it's possible to keep growing and trying and i think to me that is the antidote to this kind of bullshit parenting advice which is predicated on what the evangelical church does best keeping everybody emotionally immature and under their authority unquestioningly and that is the problem i We'll say talking back was the thing I got in trouble with for the most in my childhood and young adulthood. And honestly, like probably still now, some people don't really enjoy my presence because I'll <laughs> challenge bad ideas and have better ones. But I I mean, the truth is that like, we love that, you for that. That's thank you. That's our guys. favorite. Oh, thanks, you guys. Um, no, but it's just I think it's important for us to recognize like that being raised by emotionally mature parents who were also cultivated in and a part of the evangelical church. Being emotionally, emotionally immature made them need to look for another authority, mm -hmm. figure outside of themselves, outside of their understanding of life. Like my parents were young when I was born. They, how would they know? They were in their like early, early 20s. Well, I don't know. And frankly, I think that a lot of, I mean, neurodivergence clearly runs in my family. And I think that these strict ways of parenting, and also I, I need to say, it is not just Dr. Jobson. He was the most no. prevalent one, but there's lots of other people. Oh, there's lots of baddies. So many. I remember there was growing Any. kids God's way. Mm -hmm. There was boundaries was a really big thing when I was oh, older. Yeah. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Um, yes. I got to go on a trip to Hawaii because of boundaries. Um, fun fact. That's cool. It was my a family that went to our church that we I didn't know particularly well. Their son went to our youth group, but he was quite a bit younger than me. I think my I think Danielle had a crush on him, but he got caught with pot and so Ooh, this is my senior year lettuce yeah he did and so he because his parents had just read boundaries um they uninvited their son they're a blended family so, and they uninvited him from the trip to hawaii and gave me his ticket and they took their daughters who i didn't really know they didn't their daughters didn't attend youth group my only guess to this day is that they thought i was going to be like a good influence on them and i had a blast the daughters were like but More you like were, my, I'm sorry, you took the spot of a, a child of theirs on a got trip caught with, to Hawaii oh. because of Christian parenting. I got a free trip to Hawaii. Yes. Yeah. That was his punishment. He didn't get a go. And I was a senior. And so wow. I got to be my senior trip. And I, I literally barely knew this family. Like I did not know their daughters did not go to our youth group. Like one of them, I think I met on the trip. The other one I had met a time or two before and I had fun with them. But I was like, why would you invite your pastor's kid? And, and uh, Lindsay, it's in the question. You're their pastor's <laughs> kid. 
Like, obviously. <laughs> I still it's, feel bad. Sorry, John, that you didn't get a go. And I hope I hope that weed was really good. So. And John, I really hope that you have had a lot of therapy. And if not, at least have been able to smoke a lot of weed when you think about that memory. That's mm-hmm. really fucking crazy. <laughs> Isn't that, like, yeah, I've been sitting whoa. on that's I've been wanting to tell that story in this part because I was like, that is the most like when I think back on that, of course, at that age, I was like, yeah, of course, he got in trouble. He doesn't get to go. But now yeah, I look back at I'm sense. like, what a weird. And like, how what the, a massive punishment, honestly, rule. That's it's a big, literally big deal to be like, you don't get to go on our family vacation because yeah. You had pot one time. Jeez. No, that's like that'll it's, teach him. <laughs> it's honestly so short sighted. I, I because I think about when my kids are adults all the time, not like, oh, I can't wait. But just when they grow up, how do I hope they are in the world? Like what kinds mm-hmm. of things do I hope they truly mm-hmm. believe? What kinds of things do I want them to see and understand before they leave my care? And it's it never is about, oh, I want to take away something that will bond our family and become a really important memory or whatever. It's like, okay, overall, what you need to understand is, you know, I want you to be emotionally mature when you leave my care. That's one thing I know for sure. Cause I swear to God, if I have to raise another human man as his mother at, in adulthood, I will cease to, ex- I'll just catch on fire. <laughs> I'm just gonna spontaneously combust. <laughs> But yeah, let's uh, let's raise our kids to be better because we can and because they are already wonderful people. Like, I don't believe in original sin anymore, partly because my having my kids confirmed that it could not be true. It's such Mm -hmm. a gross, terrible way to think about all of humanity. Like, what in the hell? So, yeah, I actually had a friend when I was talking about this. uh, Who I who was part of my kind of youth group leader crew for a while. And I saw him after I had kids and like was talking about deconverting because it was really shortly after all that was happening. And he's like, what about original sin? Don't you have kids? Don't they prove that they that original sin does exist because kids are selfish and demanding and all these other bad things? And I'm like, oh, so no, kids (laughs) don't do that to be emotionally manipulative or like bad or mean. They do what they need to do to get what they need because they don't know how to get it otherwise. So my job is to help them get it, get what they need in different ways that are more healthy for them. And when they're that time, they were like probably two and four. And, you know, I'm like, they're two and four. How much can they know about self, the idea of selfishness? They're, that's their developmental phase is like everything is mine. Okay, like that makes sense. But also we get a share, we get a whatever. So like, I don't know, I just think, I think that if we can open our own hearts to our own children as the people they are and see how we can meet them there without judging them for being deficient in some way or different than us or whatever, that's that's what we can do. And we also get to choose who else influences our kids. You know, Mm -hmm. there are people in my life that influence my kids in ways they really need and in a lot of ways understand them on different levels than i do because i don't always understand everything that someone is or thinks but it's you know i think it's a beautiful adventure to be able to allow allow someone to grow and flourish and just become more and more themselves so that's our advice help your kid flourish and if we can parent with love and grace and empathy and please apologize to your children when you do something that you regret, it, it's so meaningful to be able to have those types of experiences with my kid, things that I didn't get to have when I was a child. And yeah. 
to be able to influence another person's life in a positive way. I, I mean, that's to me, that's what being a parent is. It's okay to ask yeah, for and there's there's family therapy you can go to. It is it is never too late. If you have adopted some of these principles in your parenting in your life, I've heard from so many people this week, you know, who feel a lot of regret over that. Like, yeah, there's gonna be some damage there, but you can apologize. And I think that's a huge first step. And I think for some reason the former generation, I it, like the thing that I keep hearing over and over again is that our parents all clamped down so hard because the goal for them was to keep the nuclear family, was to have all their kids be Christians and all their kids be good. And now, and we were for a while. Mm -hmm. And now we are mm -hmm. all here at this phase in our life. And like these relationships are crumbling and our questions about God are crumbling. And some people did it sooner than others. Looking at you, right? Um, good job. Um, but. I think that, and that's the thing that's so crazy to me is when these parents are like, oh, I don't understand, I did everything right and I did everything Dobson told me to raise kids godly. Now none of my kids are Christians. I'm, I mean, I think back to like family reunions of mine. Like I said, my whole family was very conservative. My grandpa would just, he would pray these big prayers at Thanksgiving and pray, like praise God that the whole family was Christian. Mm -hmm. And, but this is when we were teenagers and in our twenties. And now I'm going to say like, of my, all my aunts and uncles still are, but of my cousins, I mean, uh, maybe 25% of us are still, you know, like. Yeah. Backslider is all you. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. the thing that's so interesting is that like, but it could never be their fault. Yeah. And again, of Dr. Course. Dobson is still, he's still sending out emails. I don't know. My sister sent up for his email list just to see the craziness that, I mean, oh. first of all, he's like so transphobic. I mean, he's just. That's awful. He's Yeah. Terrible, he does talk about children as boys and girls very specifically almost every time. It's oh, I really went to his website to read. He's written some no. articles recently on gender, and it's I'm sure you'll be really shocked to know his stance on all of that. But um, but it's he also is really big on like literally sending emails out to like, do your children not speak to you anymore? Are they basically ungrateful little brats? And it's all like the it's all making the parents victims like yes. you. You prayed for them. You've interceded for them. You did everything you could to mold them. And now they have turned them backs on you and it is i'm like how are they the victims in this yeah. like oh. it's time for your kids to come and apologize to you it's that for thing where christians are like oh we're being persecuted yes. why does everyone uh -huh. hate us but also if you're gay go to hell and you can't have rights and also if you're a person with a uterus and you have a fetus in it that you can't have and don't want or don't need or are going to die from then that's too bad. That's that's more important than your life. Like, give me a break. Yeah. It's that is the exact same thing for all boomer parents to once again get off the hook for any accountability by using and twisting the idea of Christianity and like making it still all about them and coddling these fucking boomers. Like, so sorry if you're a cool boomer, but like call me <laughs> and we can talk and I'll decide. Like, you don't get to decide. So straight up, like this is also really interesting to me. This is one of the things that Dobson said and I just wanna say one more and I will stop after that. By learning to yield to the loving authority of his parents, uh, his parents. You'll notice a child learns to submit to other forms of authority, which will confront him later in his life. His teachers, school principal, police, neighbors and employers. Instead of thinking of these people as resources, guides, supports in their lives, 
who help them learn how to navigate the world and be curious and learn things and try stuff and invent things and whatever. It's saying, keep your kids small so they will always submit Mm -hmm. to these other authorities. Whether those authorities are just, have the credentials, the, the ability, whatever, to truly exercise that authority in healthy ways that even support your kids at all, it's just saying, then they'll get along. This is white supremacy. Mm-hmm. This is heteronormativity. This is obviously patriarchy, but worse, like extra. No, no well, it's not even it's not even Christian. That's the thing that's so wrong to me. It's like he just made up some rules and like, uh, like, did did you read about how Jesus treated children? Mm. Like, let the little children come to me. All he ever did was want to be near them and want to talk to them. And like, that's the thing that blows my mind is like, it, this has become so entrenched with Christianity, but there's no actual Christianity in it. Like, yeah. the, the truth is, is that like, this is one guy who's a Christian who just basically, it's, it's they worship him, right? Yeah. Like the worship is of Dr. Dobson, not of, not of the the person I know Jesus to be. So and the Apostle Paul. What? Wow. It's true. Yeah. It he is likes him some rules. He does. So sorry, but most of the New Testament was written by that guy, and people aren't really focused on even. I mean, you. I think in a mainline church like Episcopal Church, like yes, there's more of a gospel focus there. I think than in evangelicalism, which is almost exclusively focused on the Pauline epistles and like the book of John and things like that. They're weird cherry picking. I, I realized the other day I was like, oh, my gosh, I will never hear a sermon on sex again. Like, that's a great feeling because you know what? Episcopals ain't going to do that. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> it's so weird that that was the thing that I heard preached on so much. All the time. Anyways, we could I mean. This is why we have a podcast about this, people, because we could talk about it for literally forever because it was our entire lives, our entire identities, our parents' lives. And there's a lot to work out as we disentangle ourselves from this, as we as we ghost the evangelical church. Bring it all back. Do you get it, guys? Do you get it? Mm-hmm. It's like holy ghosting. It's like it's like we ghosted the evangelical church mm-hmm. bye I, I was like bye slap happy. I'm like <laughs> I've been on the mic for too long I'm I losing so my too. edge guys I'm losing my edge oh, I like what? it okay if, we've got more to say about this come on over to TikTok join us in our Facebook group whatever social media platform you're, you want to go to we're on it um, hit us up on Twitter TikTok Instagram or join us over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash holy ghosting and this has been meg Lindsay, and sarai we will see you next time bye (laughs) great job spoiler i was not (laughs) correct which i am happy to admit and apologize for which is something i do as a parent which was never done for me so yeah